0: I'll take the train back to Fitchburg. Come pick me up. He read the text from his girlfriend and immediately jumped into his car. He had an uneasy feeling in his stomach. His girlfriend had texted him a few times prior and things just didn't sound right with her. He arrived at the train station and waited. When the train arrived, all of the passengers poured out. Anxiously, he waited and waited, but his girlfriend never got off the train that day. Welcome or welcome back. I'm Cassie and this is A Wicked World. Today's case is another one out of my home state of Massachusetts. I went to school with as well as lived directly next to the perpetrator in this crime story. So I wanted to look into it a little bit further out of curiosity and I figured why not bring the case to you guys as well because it's definitely not one that got a lot of publicity. And when I was younger, I remember my mother pinpointed him as the kind of person that could turn out to be a murderer. Her words. So when she was right, it was a little bit spooky to say the least. But the real person that we're here to talk about today is the victim in this story. This is the story of Alison Merrick. Alison Marie Merrick was born on October 28th, 1990. She was from Groton, which is a small town of about 11,000 people in central Massachusetts. It's a town where most people who live there are pretty well off. And it's also home to two prep schools. Ellison's parents were Susan and Steve Merrick. Ellison attended the Groton-Dunstable Regional High School in Groton. Here she played soccer as well as the cross, And she had won a journalism award for her work, designing and editing the school yearbook. Allison was smart, sweet, talented, funny, courageous, outspoken, and a compassionate young woman. Some of Allison's favorite things to do were go to Martha's Vineyard and ride the Flying Horses Carousel. She also loved going to her Uncle Cliff's Dairy Barn up in Vermont, and she would often dance around in the aisles and kiss the cows. She also loved to ride the biggest thrill rides and roller coasters that she could find. Allison had just begun her second semester at Fitchburg State College in fall of 2009. Fitchburg State is a small state college in downtown Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and it has about 4,600 students enrolled. There, Allison was studying journalism as well as graphic design. The first week of September, 2009, as all the college kids arrived back to their dorms, there was many parties being thrown. Allison, of course, was attending many of them, And at one of the parties that she ended up attending, she met Robert Gullah. Robert Gullah was 19 at the time, and he was from the nearby town of Shirley. So even though him and Allison were the same age, he did not attend the same college as her. He just happened to be at one of the parties that night. After that night, the two started dating. So a little bit more about Robert. He and his family, his mother Kim and his brother Stephen, lived on Morin Street in Shirley. Shirley is about 10 to 15 minutes away from Fitchburg State College. Robert's mother and stepfather had just gotten a divorce and they had foreclosed on their house that was in Ashby, Massachusetts, and recently moved to the new home that they had in Shirley. The home in Ashby is actually the one that I lived directly next to as I was growing up. And during the time that I lived there, it was very clear that Robert was not your typical child. I was a kid only a few years older than him and i myself could see that there was something a little off you could tell something wasn't right with him something was kind of evil and i've always heard people say that and i've always been like what what's that mean but now that i think about it knowing him as a kid you could just tell that he just he didn't like people he just I don't know how to describe it. During the time that I actually lived next to him, he threw rocks at my cat, threw chunks of ice at my face, and tried to set my family's lawn on fire. So if that was any indication as to how he was gonna turn out. So his mother, Kim, and his real father had split up before Robert had even turned one years old. Only a few weeks into the couple's relationship, on September 25th, there was an altercation between the two of them in Ellison's dorm room. It's unclear what the fight was about, but campus police escorted Robert off of the property and he was issued a no trespassing order. Oh, I also want to note before I forget, this was Robert's very first relationship. Allison was his very first girlfriend. Then only a week and a half after that, in the beginning of October, Allison lodged a complaint with the police. Her and Robert had had an argument earlier that day and he had pushed her out of his car and left her stranded on the side of the road. After this incident, unfortunately, Allison did not stop seeing Robert. They did see each other less often though, as Allison had recently started dating another student that also went to Fitchburg State College. But then in that same month, in October of 2009, two police officers were dispatched to the Shirley home where Robert lived with his family. When they arrived, they found that it was Robert, his mother, his brother, and Allison. The officers spoke to both Allison and Robert separately, and they found out that the two had been fighting over text messages that Allison had received on her cell phone. During the argument, Robert had struck Allison with his elbow in her right temple. That's kind of an odd thing to do, isn't it? That brings us to December of 2009, where, again, Allison had gone back to Robert's house. The two of them were sitting outside of his house, in the car. They were arguing about the new guy that Allison was dating. Robert was not happy about this still, and he did not like that this guy had been texting Allison. He did not want to lose her to anybody. During this fight, Robert ended up punching Allison in the stomach and grabbing her cell phone so that he could look at the text messages to see exactly what they said. From there though, the fight moved on into Robert's bedroom, which was in the basement of the family's home. There, he continued to get angry about Allison talking to this other guy and screaming at her. Robert pushed Allison to the floor and he put his hands around her neck. Allison reached for her phone to try to call a friend for help. But as she did this, Robert grabbed it from her hand and smashed it onto the floor, and then took it outside and threw it out back behind his house into the woods. Robert's mom, Kim, heard all this commotion, finally, and called the police. Robert was placed under arrest. He was charged with two counts of assault and battery, but was released on personal recognizance and ordered to do 150 hours of community service. That's it. That was until his court date which was in March, still five months away. So he got to just get off scot-free for five months, which had they held him a little longer, maybe it would have avoided what happened to poor Allison. As I'm sure you know, Robert was still not over the fact that Allison was seeing somebody new. So on January 19th, 2010, after he had been drinking, Robert called up Allison to confront her about it yet again. He demanded to know why she was spending time with this other guy and why she didn't want to just be with him. I can't think of a single reason why she wouldn't want to be with him. Nope, not one. When she tried to defend her actions, which honestly she doesn't need to one bit, he just got even more irate. Allison, at this point, felt threatened. She hung up the phone and went down to the police station to file a restraining order against him. In the restraining order, Allison had actually written that Robert had been calling her and telling her he hoped her entire family would die of ALS and he hoped that it would end her family forever. I believe the reason why he said ALS is because she was a big supporter in trying to fight against ALS, so he thought he would use that against her. On the afternoon of January 22nd, 2010, Allison was on campus at Fitchburg State, hanging out with her new boyfriend in his dorm room. Unfortunately, while the two were hanging out, they got in a little bit of an argument. Allison decided that she wanted some comfort, and instead of calling one of her friends, she decided to call Robert. He told her he would come pick her up. She said okay and waited for him. So despite the restraining order that Allison had just taken out a few days prior, Robert came and picked her up and brought her back to his house. The plan was that Allison was going to spend the night and then the two were going to hang out for at least part of the day, the following day. The next morning, before leaving the house for an appointment, Robert's mother, Kim, said that she heard the two of them down in his basement room arguing, but she figured that the two of them would work it out and it would be no big deal. Hmm. Given what's happened in the past, when these two have had fights, and you've been there, and you've seen this, I don't think that you should have left and just been like, it's okay. They'll be fine. They'll figure it out. Irresponsible. So on the afternoon of January 23rd, Allison sent her new boyfriend a text message saying, I think I made a mistake, referring to the fight that the two just had, they ended up making up via text. However, she was at Robert's house and she was texting her new boyfriend. Robert saw that she was texting, and he grabbed her phone to see who it was. When he read the text messages, it sent him flying into a rage. Allison's boyfriend then received another text saying, I'm so scared he went through my phone again. Allison's boyfriend started to feel very uneasy at this point. She texted him back again, saying that she was going to be taking the train from Shirley back to Fitchburg. And could he come pick her up at the train station? He said, okay, and jumped in his car. He sent her a text saying, please tell me you're okay. But she did not respond back. He watched all the passengers disembark the 6.45 PM train. And he noticed that Allison was not in amongst them. Around the same time that Allison's boyfriend was waiting for her at the train station, Kim was returning to her house. When she walked in she noticed that it was unusually quiet so she went over to the basement stairs and she noticed that there was no lights on and there was no noise coming from the basement which was odd because she was under the impression that robert and allison were still at the house as she looked to the bottom of the basement stairs what she was met with was absolute horror both robert and allison were laying side by side face down, covered in blood. When the first responders arrived, they determined that Allison was deceased. Her body was severely bruised and swollen. She had several stab wounds, including to her throat. A pellet gun had been shot between her eyes. The injuries were so extensive that her face was unrecognizable. She was said to have a large cigarette burn on her body as well. He had put his cigarette out on her while he was doing all this to her. Sick. Allison had not made it, but at this point, Robert regained consciousness. His wounds were much less severe. He had a large cut to his left wrist, a pellet gunshot wound to his temple. This would have been his own doing. In his blood-covered hands, they also found a few long strands of blonde hair. Next to where the two had been laying, there was a copy of the temporary restraining order and also a note that had been written by Robert. In the note, he admitted that he was guilty of the homicide. It also said, I love you. This is the last thing I wanted to happen, but it just did. Two bloody knives, a buck knife and a large butcher knife were found on the scene as were a pellet pistol and a pellet rifle. Robert was taken to the University of Massachusetts Memorial Medical Center in Worcester with stab and gunshot wounds. He was arraigned from his hospital bed. A not guilty plea was entered on his behalf and he was ordered held without bail. Robert's trial was in May of 2012 at the Middlesex Superior Court in Woburn. During the trial, Robert's defense attorney said that while his client did not deny killing Allison, There were also other factors that were involved such as alcohol his attorney also suggested a mental health defense a toxicology result indicated that allison had actually had a blood alcohol level of 0.12 which is higher than the legal driving limit there were no drugs in her system an emergency personnel reported not smelling any alcohol on robert after an 11-day trial Robert Gullah was found guilty, and he was handed down the sentence of life in prison plus two and a half years for Allison Merrick's murder. During the entire trial, he looked blank and non-remorseful. But in all the years that I knew Robert, I don't think I had ever seen his face look anything but either blank or evil. So it's the better of the two. Before he was sentenced, he declined to make a statement. In 2015, Robert tried to get a new trial, and that was denied. Then in 2017, he again tried to get himself a new trial, saying that he was not fully represented during the first one. His new attorney said that his mental health issues were not properly argued by his old attorney. So Robert's new attorney was trying to get him a new trial in order to get the charges dropped down to just manslaughter. After what he did to that poor girl, they were trying to get those charges dropped down to manslaughter. Good luck. Allison Fife, a prosecution witness, testified that Robert is intelligent and high functioning. She says he most likely suffers from a personality disorder as well as Asperger's. Another doctor during the trial who had examined Robert Said that he had diagnosed him with borderline personality disorder. The prosecution witness said that Robert Gullah knew right from wrong and he was capable of forming the intent to kill. His behavior was not driven by mental illness, but extraordinarily severe signs of rage. Robert Gullah's former attorney had tried to contact three mental health experts to testify, but they had all declined. On April 5th, 2017, his new appeal was also rejected. The judge concluded that the court could find no reason to reduce the degree of guilt or grant a new trial. I agree. Visiting hours for Allison were held on January 29th at the Badger Funeral Home on School Street in Groton. A private memorial service was later held. Well, thank you for listening to all of Allison's story today. Relationships like this can be a very tough cycle to break. And it's so sad that Allison's life had to end before she was able to make that decision to stop going back to Robert. If you find yourself in a relationship like this, know that you deserve better and you can break away from that cycle. So if you do like true crime and you wanna hear it from me, don't forget to hit that subscribe button below and give this video a like if you feel like it. Thanks for watching A Wicked World. Until next time, take care guys, bye.